welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. What if none of this happened? What if resurrection actually didn't happen? Like, what if resurrection and this whole story about Jesus and this person being like risen from the dead is actually just a story that a bunch of people made up to sort of cope with the fact that they had just lost their best friend who said he was going to change the world. Like, what if the whole story is a story and it's not true? Not the best thoughts to be having the week before Easter when you're in my profession as a pastor who's about to preach about Easter, right? You can imagine this was... So I sort of spiral. I have this sort of tailspin of doubt and anxiety about Easter and all of this. Um, Awaken exists to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus in the world and to partner with God in the ongoing work of redemption. We wanted to create a community when we started this church that said it's okay to ask questions like that. To take the biggest rock, the biggest brick out of the wall and pull it out and say, why do we believe this? Why does this, does this stand up to the skeptics' questions? Does this stand up under scrutiny, this whole resurrection thing? And so we're, I just want to set the table this morning before we dive into 2 Corinthians, that wherever you've come from this morning or however you got here, maybe you're a friend or family member or you just wandered in because you live in the neighborhood, I don't know. I meet people like that all the time here. I just want you to know that this is a place where it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to take that kind of a, the biggest one of a, you know, listen, if resurrection isn't true, the whole thing falls. It's a house of cards, sort of connected to and hanging on resurrection. But let's look at it. Let's talk about why do, why do we believe that a human being was risen from the dead? Uh, there's all kinds of things. So I just wanted to set the table to say, like, that is an okay question to ask. And so wherever you come this morning, you're welcome to join us as we explore this, uh, this person, this man, this Jesus. Uh, so we're in this series of 2 Corinthians. I want to invite you to look at chapter 4. And about eight weeks ago, I started mapping out where we would be on Easter in 2 Corinthians. And you can't make this up. This is the, this is the passage we landed on today. So stand up and uh, read with me, if you will. Uh, and you'll realize how fortuitous, coincidental, or maybe just possibly led by God's Spirit that we are here today on this day. Chapter 4, verse 10 says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in me, but life is at work in you. Pray with me. God, as we open this story, this, these scriptures... These words inspired by you to us, for us, uh, for your church then and for your church now. I pray, God, that by your spirit you would be working resurrection out in us. That it wouldn't be something that we read about that happened 2,000 years ago to Jesus, but that it would be happening by your spirit's power in us. That you would be resurrecting, that you would be bringing dead things to life in us. So may it be true, God, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat if you would. So let's dig in here. What is Paul really saying when he says, we carry around death so that life might be revealed in our bodies? Um, In other words, we die so that we might be resurrected in this life and in God's good world to come, redeem, restored, remade. I want to frame this morning in terms of the implications of what Paul is saying here. We carry around death so that the life of God might be revealed in us. And I've uh, entitled this, or the working kind of uh, idea here is what we carry. 
And I want to invite you this morning to consider what it is that you're carrying. Uh, I have a belief, I have a strong conviction that we all carry something. But I want to ask some important questions about what is it that we're carrying. The great philosopher Socrates once said, uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. Which is to say, you could go through life without ever having taken stock of what's really happening on the inside. You could go through life without ever really examining why you do the things that you do. And he would say, that life, it's not worth living. And I happen to agree with him. So this morning, what you're not going to get is kind of, rah, 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 Jesus is alive, go get him. It's not my intention. So uh, if you're looking for that, uh, I'm hoping that you like what I'm offering (laughs) in its place. What I want to offer is the invitation to pause and to consider what I would argue to be the most pivotal moment in human history, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. By the way, Christ is not his last name. It's a title. The Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the resurrection of this person. I want to pause and I want to I ask some questions about what does that mean? What does that mean? So today I want to offer a couple of observations, this one question and then a few implications in light of that. Observations. The scriptures tell us a lot of stories, thousands of stories. If you dig in the scriptures, you'll find just countless stories. But it tells one great story also. One meta-narrative, if you will. One story of all humans. And one of the threads that we find in the story for really all humans is that, and it remains strong in the scriptures as well as in our lives, is we are not who we want to be. If you go all the way back to the beginning and you look in the first four chapters, you find Adam and Eve who eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when they're not supposed to. You find Cain and Abel, one kills his brother. And then you find us. I mean, there's all these stories in between. But we're not who we want to be. We're not, we do what we don't want to do. We become that which we are striving to not become. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And he goes on in that chapter and sort of adds to this. But essentially, we do what we don't want to do. We become or we're not who we want to be is another way to say it. Um, So usually after Christmas and Easter, sort of big days in the Christian calendar, uh, I often in in my history as a pastor have gotten sick after these two big days, Um, usually Christmas. So this year is no exception. And Christmas comes, it's like, oh my gosh, Christmas. We, you know, all this work and effort into Christmas Eve, and then it's like this crash. And I crash, and my body crashes, and then I get sick. So I get sick this Christmas, uh, right after Christmas, and I, uh, um, how do you say this nicely at Easter? Um, I had just bowed to the porcelain gods, okay? You know, you know what that's like. I mean, you feel like death warmed over. I mean, that's the worst. I, w- I would take a, a, like, a kick in the face before that. I hate that part of being alive and sick. I, I just hate it. I hate it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm lying in bed. It's early. Laura is up. The girls had just gotten up. And uh, most of the time I would have been gone to work by now, but today I was not. I was lying there half dead in my bed. And one of my children decided to come run into the room and like flying leap onto the bed. Okay. So she comes just with reckless abandon and launches into the bed and finds much to her shock that there is a human in the bed. And she lands right here, like right in the kidneys. I mean, very, very vulnerable spot, right? And I 
You, some of you know this. I hate to be surprised. It is not a good idea to startle me. Things do not go well when I get startled. I mean, I have, a, I have a history and a track record of doing dumb things and saying dumb things when I'm afraid and scared and startled. This is no exception. She jumps on the bed, and I yell, Ow! What the hell? <laughs> and she's like, backs up off the bed and my you know at this point my 10 year old daughter is staring at me just like stricken with fear because there's a human in the bed that she thought there wasn't and her father just swore at her and she like you know that look when kids when they're just they want they were I mean, when humans right when we just would rather die we'd rather be anywhere else and she the look of just despair and sort of rejection comes over her face and she leaves the room she goes upstairs, and mom finds her crying upstairs, and she comes back down, and she comes into the room, and I gather her on the bed, and she's just weeping in my arms. And here I am, right, like face-to-face -face with everything I do not want to be as a father because this is what we do. We become who we don't want to be. Like There's no getting around it. If we went around the room and told the stories, it would be, we'd be here all day. We're not who we want to be. And I'm guessing I don't have to convince you all of this. But not only that, but we, care, we then carry this around, right? Despite our greatest efforts, whether it's something that we wish we wouldn't have done or something we said that we wish we wouldn't have said or maybe it was a relationship that blew up or a job that was a failure or you got let go from or maybe it has something to do with how you view yourself and what you wished were true or maybe it's some temptation or addiction you can't say no to. We carry these things around with us whether we like it or not. And again, the scriptures tell a lot of stories, but they tell this one that says, we can't shake this feeling that we, we're not who we want to be. And not only that, but the weight of it is just crushing. The, the weight of this, this longing, this, this hope, this desire, this hole in our souls, this brokenness, we carry it around. I, uh, I had an experience where I was in a, in a job and I received a performance improvement plan. I've told bits of this story before, so I won't go into all the details. But, I mean, you know what it's like when you, if you've never gotten one of those, you can imagine when you show up at work one day and you get this, right, the performance improvement plan. This led to me leaving this church and never wanting to work at a church again. So it was a very, it was a horrible experience to me. Um, I, would, I had a backpack that I carried with me most everywhere. I had put my computer in it. I put my pens in it, my Dora uh, thermos and my lunchbox and everything. It all went in my backpack, and I would carry this around. I, I was in school at that point at seminary, so I would take it to seminary, and I would literally, like, every single day I'd wake up and I'd put this backpack on, and I would take it to work or school or wherever. Well, it dawned on me one day that this letter was in my backpack, so literally, I was carrying this thing around, this story about me that wasn't accurate or true, that sort of called into question the things that I knew to be true about myself, that I was worthy of love and worthy to belong to something, and it called all, and I was literally carrying it around. So I find it in my backpack, and most emotionally healthy, like, uh, forward-thinking people would take that document out of the backpack because, listen, dude, you're actually carrying it on your back. Like, the metaphors are just rife here, you know? You'd take it out and you'd throw it away. And there's just something in me that I couldn't do it. And you could psychoanalyze all the reasons why I you know, couldn't get rid of this thing, but I couldn't. And I left it in there. I carried that thing around for four years in my backpack. I'm not as smart as you think I am, <laughs> if any of you thought I was smart. 
And here's what I learned. And this is, again, I think this is true of all of humanity. What we carry will become far too heavy. Given enough time, given enough, it will become too heavy. This burden for me that I was carrying, this letter, it was crippling me. It was calling into question. I couldn't act with confidence in nearly anything that I thought I was good at. As a pastor, as a leader, as a speaker, as a teacher, it was killing me. It was killing me. For you, maybe it's regret. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's some wound or pain that was caused by people that loved you. Maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it's abuse that you suffered as a child. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you were let go from your job. Maybe you didn't cut it. Maybe you just can't stop comparing yourself to her. The human is an unbelievably resilient and strong creature, but given enough time, even the strongest of humans will break and we crack and we cannot carry it anymore. This is what the Bible calls sin. All of the ways and the effects of it, all of the ways that we are not who we were created to be, all of the ways that we choose ourselves instead of others, all of the ways that we choose ourselves and our way instead of God and God's way. But here is the question. I began with a question, what if resurrection wasn't true? But what if resurrection is true? What if it actually happened? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple and the one Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb and both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there. As well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside. He saw and he believed. They still do not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. I love this part. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where he is, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and cried in Aramaic, Rabbi. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them she had seen these things. I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like 
This guy, who you knew, who you lived with for three years, dies. And he says, I'm coming back, but nobody believes him. And then on one morning, this morning I'm driving to a church, and literally I'm with Hadley. She was on lights this morning. She comes early. And I just start weeping. And she's like, what's wrong, Dad? And I'm like, there was, if you were up this morning for the sunrise, there was a fog, a mist that was coming up off of the river. And the sun came up, and it was like the clouds were blocking the sun. So all you saw were these rays of brilliance of the sun coming through the clouds. And I said, this is exactly what I would have imagined it to be like on the morning when Mary goes to the tomb. This fog is rising in the garden, and she goes to this tomb, and she's looking for him because, of course, he'd be there. He's dead, and he's not. Like, what would you do? What if it actually happened? Well, that changes everything. Nothing can ever be the same if that's true. So we entertain the possibility that resurrection of Jesus the Christ actually happened. What are the implications of that? Well, one, at least, we know what God looks like. We know what God acts like. We know what God sounds like. Friends, for all of human history, humans have been trying to determine, to decide, to picture, to write about, to draw what God looks like. And you go back through the annals of history and there are all kinds of versions of who or what this force outside of, you, outside of what we know uh, and we can see that governs the sun and the moon and the rain and the stars and all the plants and the animals. This force that's out there, what is it actually like? And if resurrection is true, we know because we know who Jesus is, what God looks like and what God sounds like and what God acts like. And we know that God looks like self-sacrificial, other-oriented, Calvary kind of love. We know that God looks like someone who has the power to conquer death and make new things come alive amidst things that are dead. We know that sin and brokenness and evil and darkness does not win in the end. We know that God opens the doors as wide as God possibly can for anyone and everyone to be in the kingdom. We know that God is for the broken, for the oppressed, for the hurting, for the lonely. And we know that God is for the lonely and sets free the people who are prisoners. This is what we know about God, because this is who Jesus is. That's good news, gang. That is good news. Not only do we know who God is or what God looks like, but we have been invited. We have been, there is a clarion call announcement that says you do not have to carry whatever it is you're carrying any longer. Whether you have never committed your faith, you're committed your life by faith to Christ, or you have, Whatever it is that you carry, may I be one to remind you that the resurrection of Jesus announces you don't have to carry it anymore. That someone else has done it. That somebody else has taken all the regret, all the betrayal, all the grief, the hurt, the pain, the death, all the things that we carry but we can't carry because they break us, because they crush us, because they kill us. God has said someone else has done that for you. And the irony, if irony is the use of words that mean the opposite of what you think, the irony of Easter, the paradox of the gospel, the absolutely unbelievable nature of this good news is that it is through death and death's door that we experience new life. And Jesus says, follow me towards death so that new life can come about in your life. And we say, come on, that can't be the way it works, but isn't it just how it works? In all of creation, think about it. How does something new come alive? Something else dies. Even at a molecular level, plants and animals, all new life comes from things that are dying. 
This is, how the, this is how the world works. So is it any wonder that it's through death that resurrection happens? Come on now! And not only this, that we know who God is, that we've been invited to just put it down, whatever it is, put it down, because somebody else has died that death for you. But not only that, but we have heard the announcement that death does not win. Death is not the end. What if resurrection really happened? What if Jesus was real? He lived in the first century as a Palestinian Jew. He died at the hands of the Romans, and three days later, he was resurrected from the dead. What if? If this is true, then a seed has been planted in the ground, a seed of redemption, a seed of hope, a seed of rescue, of life, of grace, of mercy. The death of Jesus is a deposit in the ground, and the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of what is true for all who are in Christ. Come on. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me to death so that new life can come bursting forth amidst this broken and dark world. Come on, follow me. And this is the announcement. This is the invitation of Easter. So it leads us right back to 2 Corinthians 2 or 4, where Paul says, we carry around death so that we can carry life, so that the resurrection of God may be at work in my life. And so I leave you with this question this morning. What are you carrying? Maybe it's everything that you've ever not wanted to do and be. Maybe it's all of the ways that you have not lived into what you know is true, deep, deep down, that God made you to be. Maybe it's a mistake, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's abuse, maybe it's regret, maybe it's neglect, maybe it's you've been, whatever it is. Stop. Don't carry it anymore. Jesus says, put it down and follow me. Because I was buried in the grave. Just like whatever it is you're carrying, by faith, follow me. And what it is, whatever it is you're carrying is buried in the same grave. It's gone. It's done. It, it's, and new life comes out. So I leave you with this question. What will you carry today? I'm going to ask Ben and uh, the team to come, and they're going to close with a song that uh, I wanted us to hear this morning because I think it's it's important for us to imagine like what it would have been like to really actually be there or try to go there. Like if you were if you were living around Jesus's time and you were there and Jesus said all of these things and promised all of these things and then he died. Like what would that have been like? He's buried in a grave and then all of a sudden on a on a beautiful spring morning something comes bursting out of the ground and it is the most beautiful of flowers. It is the new and resurrected humanity. God's new work, God's new project of new creation and God says, hey, you want to play? What would that be like? day we held our breath felt the sting bitter death 
All our hopes are buried in the grave Our eyes awake, our hearts are torn beneath our faith And what we knew before our king was buried in the grave Grace was in the tension of everything we've lost Standing empty-handed, shattered by the cross All we had, all we had was a promise like a thread Holding us, keeping us, oh, from fraying at the edge All we knew, all we knew is you said you'd come again You rise up from the dead There was a day we looked for proof You had risen from the tomb And all our doubts began to roll away We touched the scars upon your hands And kept your word The son of man buried death were taken on the grave You came here to save us Everything we've lost No longer empty-handed Clinging to the cross All we had, all we had Was a promise like a thread Holding us, keeping us Oh, from fraying at the edge All we knew, all we knew As you said you'd come again You'd rise up
invite you to stand as we sing this last song together. Let the peace of God guard your heart. Let the peace of God guard your heart. Peace of God, peace of God. Let the peace of God guard your heart. Let the hope of God. Let the hope of God lift your head. Let the hope of God lift your head. Oh, the hope of God. Hope of God. Let the hope of God lift your As per resurrection, uh, I have staked my life on the reality that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And I have days when I'm not sure if that actually is true. And then I hear stories of people in our community where resurrection is happening. God is like bringing things to life. And I'm reminded that 
God is at work in the world, and we're invited to join him. And so my invitation to you is to join us, to join God, to say yes to following this Jesus. If you've never done that before, just say yes. Start doing it. Either here with us or in another community of faith. It's not magic. Smoke won't, like, rise from your ears. or There's no magic prayer. Just start following Jesus. Say yes by faith and trust that that happened. And it's real. And it's for you. Uh, and if you're with us today and you're new, you've found us on a special day. Because uh, today... Um, four years ago when we started this church um, I remember sitting at Chipotle with Ben and asking him if he would join us, join me in this crazy idea I had to start a church and he said yes and God has done amazing things uh, at Awaken um, and Ben is uh, Ben will be leaving us today uh, and following um, what he and Jackie sense is the spirit leading um, to new things and other things. And so, uh, to Ben as our pastor, today we say goodbye. Uh, and we hold with open hands the new possibilities that God has for Awaken. And we trust that those new possibilities that are true for us are true for Ben and for Jackie. And so, uh, Ben, you have been a an inspiration to me. A, a better pastor. So um, it's with great hope and honor and joy that um, we've commissioned one of our own uh, to create for you a, a box that will contain things that hopefully you keep forever and will remind you of God has done and um, the seeds that you planted here. So uh, we want to celebrate the things that God has done and say um, I'm, I'm excited for uh, what God is doing in Ben and, uh, and as awakened we bless him and we bless Jackie and we say yes to those things and uh, so I would ask if you would stand and uh, pray with me. God, you are amazing and you surprise me at all the things that you do. Uh, the life that has come from this community, things that I would have never imagined of uh, a crazy idea and a couple of people who said, well, Geronimo, let's go. And so I thank you for Ben's voice and his, uh, his place as a pastor in this community and all that you did to encourage us, uh, to challenge us, to invite us closer and closer to who you are so today we say, Benjamin, son of my right hand, we bless you. And we send you out with 
the Spirit of God and the wind of Awaken at your back. And we look forward to hearing the stories of what God does. And we hold with open hands whatever God has for us as we continue to follow this Jesus together. And so God, would you bless Westwood? Would you grow your little, their little portion of the kingdom over there? And would you, uh, I pray that people would come to know you because of the, the ministry that's done there and because of Ben's investment there and others. And so God, we together, I want to thank you on this Easter morn where in life things die and we bury them and new things come alive. And so we say we love you, we thank you, and uh, we bless you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Uh, we love you. We'll see you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.